Have you ever said this before, maybe after watching a news report, what is the world coming to? That's a big question. And you know, the Bible answers that question emphatically, and it's tied to a dream that Nebuchadnezzar had back in Babylon of a multi-metallic image. Daniel will give him the interpretation, and this is a key to understanding world history and where the world is going, and it's today on Walk in Truth. You're listening to the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get to today's message, we want to let you know that this is a listener-supported ministry. For your gift of any size, we would like to give you the free DVD, Dark Dangers of the Occult. Call with your gift at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Now, here's Pastor Michael. So as Daniel is before King Nebuchadnezzar, he describes this stone made without hands and it strikes, it struck the statue and the statue was of course obliterated. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. Many scriptures I could give you, but I think you get the idea. He says in verse 35, chapter two of Daniel, then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, And the gold, all the metals that made up the statue, were crushed all at the same time. So when the statue went down, it wasn't in parts or parceled. It was obliterated simultaneously. It became like chaff from the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them was found. But the stone that struck the statue became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Now, the stone strikes the statue and it becomes great. Now, this is where some of our brethren in the Reformed camp believe that the stone or the rock is the church. And they, they seem to zero in on this word became. It became a great mountain that filled the whole earth. So the idea here is, as our Reformed brethren, some that believe that the church is going to be the major change agent in the world, and we would not argue that the church has had a huge impact in the world, amen? We, we would agree that uh, from the founding of the church, you know, Jesus said, the gates of Hades will not prevail against my church. He said, go into all the world and make disciples. And the church has had a great impact. And you could say that the church has grown exponentially, Right? I mean, we, we would say that the major world religion still today, although Islam is close, is Christianity in all its various forms and expressions. We won't get into who's a legitimate, genuine Christian. We'll just talk about the basic numbers. The church has had a great impact in the world. And so the idea here is that, well, maybe this, this uh, rock this, that strikes the statue becoming a great mountain and filling the earth The whole earth is the church, but the church has not filled the whole earth with the message. And I don't think it's the church's role to demolish the pagan nations and destroy Gentiles. We're supposed to lead people to Christ. But someone might argue, well, maybe this has the concept of obliterating false religion by the truth of the gospel. Okay, that's a legitimate interpretation. Zechariah 14.9 says, The Lord will be king over all the earth, In that day, the Lord will be the only one and his name, the only one. It does say that he will set his feet upon the Mount of Olives and 
We are given images in other scriptures where there's a large mountain. For example, uh, look at this one because this is very relevant. A few pages back is Isaiah 2. So go back a little bit in your Bible. Go to Isaiah 2 and look at um, Isaiah 2 beginning in verse 2. Isaiah 2 verse 2. There are many scriptures that we see in our Bible that talk about the millennial reign of Christ or the golden age. And this is one of them. It says in Isaiah 2, verse 2, it will come about in the last days. It will come about that in the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established, Isaiah 2, 2, as the chief of the mountains and will be raised above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. So you can see this idea of the mountain of the house of the Lord, it's chief. It's raised up above everything and all the nations stream to it. Many peoples, verse 3, will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us concerning his ways, that we may walk in his paths. For the law will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And so let's go back to the book of Daniel. You can see this image of the mountain of the Lord. So I think that most in the, what we would call the premillennial camp, we believe that there's a future reign of Jesus Christ, that that's going to usher in these prophecies, is really having to do with the return of Jesus. Although we know the Lord is using the church, of course, in a mighty way. And so we go back to Daniel 2, look at verse 36. This was the dream. Now we shall tell its interpretation before the king. Now, the dream has been shared. Nebuchadnezzar is like, yeah, right, uh-huh, okay. What does it mean? What does it mean? Now, if you're Daniel, you're in a very powerful position in the moment. Wouldn't you ask for extra money or a new pair of Nikes or something, right? The king really wants to know, what does it mean? You nailed it. That's my dream. What does it mean? Here's the interpretation. You, O king, Daniel 2.37, are the king of kings. He's called that, Nebuchadnezzar is, in Ezekiel 26.7. He is not the king of kings. There's only one of those. But he is the major force in the world at that time. He's been dominant. You're the king of kings to whom the God of heaven has given. He's, remember, he is sovereign. That's one of the major themes of Daniel. He's sovereign. He has given the kingdom, the power, the strength and the glory. You, king, you're the king of kings. Now, never gonna, yeah, that's right. Tell me a little bit more. Yeah, I am the king. That's right. Somebody give me a bagel right now. I, I am the king, right? Strength, yes. Nebuchadnezzar, but remember, God has given it to you. He's given the kingdom to you. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, For who regards you as superior... And what do you have that you did not receive? But if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? Now, we'd like to think that Nebuchadnezzar heard the message, but later he's going to be out on his balcony. He's going to be saying, this is the great Babylon that I have built. <laughs> yeah, I'm a bad man. Right? And we know what's going to happen to Nebuchadnezzar. So just because he heard the message doesn't mean he learned the lesson like a lot of us. The God of heaven has given this to you. Uh, Babylon 
represented by Nebuchadnezzar, existed from 636 B.C. to 539 B.C. and then was taken over by the Medes and the Persians. Let me say that one more time. 636 to 539. Mathematicians, that's less than 100 years. Things that look so powerful. Look at the majesty of that kingdom. Look at the power of that person. Yeah, you know what they get? They get a date when they're born and a date when they die and a dash in between, and that's what they get. And then their grandeur blows away with the dust. But maybe they'll make a statue to me in this town. Yeah, but then the statue corrupts and then people show up at the stadium and say, who's that guy in the statue? And nobody knows because it's 100 years later. Not even grandpa can tell you about that player. Oh, he was the great Ernie Banks and he had this many home runs and this many... Not even grandpa can tell the story because grandpa's gone too because his dash is over. (laughs) See, things are temporal. And wherever the sons of men dwell, 38, or the beasts of the field or the birds of the sky, we can think of Genesis 126 when God gave Adam dominion, he gave Eve dominion. He has given them into your hand. Notice Daniel's focus is the Lord and has caused you to rule over them all. You, king, are the head of gold. Nebuchadnezzar might be thinking, I knew it! I knew I was the gold! Yeah! Yeah! Now, in the next chapter, Nebuchadnezzar is going to take this dream very literally because he's going to make a 90-foot colossal statue and tell people to bow down to it. I think he misinterpreted uh, what Daniel was trying to let him know. He keeps trying to say, it's God, it's God, it's God. You see, you're the head of gold. Now, when you're the head, everything kind of flows down from you, right? Headship. I'm the head of gold. Maybe Daniel could have added, don't let the power go to your head, king. Because it's not going to last. And after you, verse 39. Now, I I was just basking in the fact that I'm the head of gold. Come on, man. After you, because you will only live a certain amount of time and rule for a certain amount of time. There will be another kingdom inferior to you. Then another third kingdom of bronze, which will rule over all the earth. Now, the kingdom, the first kingdom, that which existed from 636 to 539, is Babylon, represented by the head of gold. Babylon's the, uh, Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon. The nation has been named. It's the head of gold. We work down the statue. There's another kingdom that will arise, inferior to Babylon. And then a third kingdom of bronze, which will rule over all the earth. The kingdom that, uh, as we move down the statue, uh, inferior is the Medo-Persian Empire. Daniel will be alive when that transition takes place. And then there will be a third kingdom of bronze that will rule over all the earth. What kingdom followed the Medo-Persian Empire, Bible students? Greece. It was uh, dominated by a man named Alexander the Great. As the story goes... After he conquered the whole known world, he sat down on his bed and said, there's no more worlds to conquer. (laughs) You can only watch so many TV shows, you know. What am I going to do with my life now? And Alexander the Great died at 33. He accomplished a lot. He was a military genius. 
but he died at 30. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But first, what do you know about the occult? In the month of October, the number one theme is Halloween. Houses are decorated and kids drag their parents to the store to get the costume they want to wear for their holidays trick-or-treat night. There are those that take the holiday on a darker path. What do you know about the occult? People are often fascinated with it, but it is far from innocent. It is dangerous. God warned his people in the Bible to understand what it is and have nothing to do with it. Dark Dangers of the Occult is a DVD available to you this month by Pastor Michael Lance. The video includes teachings and interviews that will help expose the occult for what it is and shine the light of Christ's power over it. Dark Dangers of the Occult is available as a thank you when you give a donation of any size in support of Walk in Truth. Call 844-48-TRUTH today. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. But he died at 33. And as the story goes, after a night of a drinking binge. Sad, right? But this is, this is world history. This is what you can learn in a world history class. This man quickly dominated the known world, but it came to an end. The Medo-Persian Empire, represented by the chest and arms of silver, existed from 539 to 330 BC. Two arms reflect dual leadership of the Medes and the Persians. So you have the silver. Then you have Greece, which is the belly and the thighs of bronze. The Grecian Empire existed from 330 to 63 BC. It would quickly rule the earth and as I mentioned, under the leadership of Alexander the Great. And there will be a fourth kingdom as strong as iron. What kingdom is that, Bible students? That's Rome. And Rome began to kind of rise up around 100 BC in there. There was a victory in Corinth. And, but I think officially in 63 BC, Rome ruled from 63 BC to 476 AD. All through the life and ministry of Jesus, all through the life and ministry of Paul, the fall of Jerusalem at the hands of the armies of the Romans under Titus Vespasian, and they ruled all the way to about almost 500 AD. And what caused the fall of Rome was not the church. It was not a military per se. It was an internal, uh, they just basically corrupted from the inside out. You know, you, you watch the movies about the gladiator and all of that stuff and you can see, you know, they were all into the games. And of course, you know, some of the emperor, em, emperors were terrible persecutors of the church and did it, you know, sadly for entertainment purposes. And so here you can see why skeptical scholars say, that, well, this is incredible. How could Daniel know about these kingdoms? They're Rome is some 500 years removed from the time of Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar. And they say, this book must have been written in the second century B.C. Oh, yeah, well, then how did he predict Rome? They, that's still 100 years from the Roman Empire. You see, they, they, just can't, they, they, they just can't accept prophecy. They can't accept that the God of the Bible is telling us history in advance. And so in that you saw... The feet and the toes. So we have, uh, in verse 40, we have that, that fourth kingdom, Rome. Uh, iron, 
crushes. It shatters all things like iron. It breaks in pieces. This is what Rome did. Rome, uh, it, it was said of them, uh, the fourth kingdom, they had legs of iron. They, they were iron-fisted. It was a, a Pax Romana. It was a forced peace. You, you were at peace with Rome or you did. You don't cross the emperor. You don't mess with Rome. And in that you saw that the feet and toes partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it will be a divided kingdom. Now we have a fifth one as we move down. And this kingdom, the feet and toes, it's got partly iron but partly clay. It's going to be a divided kingdom. It will, uh, it will have in it the toughness of iron in as much as you saw the iron mixed with common clay. And as the, as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of pottery or clay, so some of the kingdom will be strong, but part of it will be brittle. Now this is the mystery kingdom. If we can put the statue back up there. Uh, the mystery kingdom is, who, who is this last kingdom? And this is where, if you read prophecy books of old, they said it's the revived Roman Empire. So prophecy buffs of old were watching the European Union and they were saying, oh, is there 10 countries in there? Because if there's 10 countries, it's probably the 10 toes and the Antichrist is coming from the revived Roman Empire, but then the numbers changed and then they moved away from 10. And isn't that, I don't know, who could it be? And then it was pin the tail on the Antichrist. He, maybe he's the Antichrist. No, did you see his beady eyes? Maybe he's the Antichrist. I, and... Look, we have to be extremely careful. And now prophecy students are starting to look at Islam and the rise of Islam and wondering what will the role of Islam be? And if you look at, and I'm going quick because we're almost out of time. If you look at Ezekiel 38 and you begin to write down a comparison of the list of nations, you have uh, Iran called Persia and you have what most scholars believe is Russia. Could the Ten Toes be a confederation of Muslim nations. You know, Muslim nations don't always get along because there's different strands of Islam. If it was Muslim nations combined with Russia, which is atheistic, then what would you have? You might have strength, but division. You might have a common enemy, Israel. We want to destroy Israel because we have hatred for Israel, but we're not truly united on the other things because we don't agree on ideology or religion, but we have a common enemy. So we won't adhere to one another. We'll be kind of strong, but also brittle. And in Revelation 17, we can see that even the Antichrist turns on the world and destroys people. And so there's much that could be said. You might want to go back and listen to the message that was done on Revelation uh, 17. So as we wrap up, in that you saw the iron mixed with common clay, they will combine with one another in the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another as iron does not combine with pottery. There's going to be some components of this kingdom to come that will not adhere. Someone has put together a sheet called the story of the nations. Here's what they say, and what history proves. People go from chains to spiritual faith, from spiritual faith to courage, from courage to liberty, from liberty to abundance, from abundance to selfishness, from selfishness to complacency, from complacency to apathy, from apathy to dependency, from dependency to degeneracy, and back again 
to bondage. Where do you think the good old U.S. of A. is in that chart? Interesting to think about because many of these nations lasted a couple hundred years and then went away. The U.S.A. of course has a great foundation and we pray that we go back to it. Amen? And we don't wander away. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven, whatever this ten-toed conglomeration is, the God of heaven in those days will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. This is what the book of Revelation shows at the end of the book. And that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put uh, an end or consume all these kingdoms, but it itself will endure forever. This has not happened yet. It's coming for all of our friends who think this happened in the first century with Rome. It did not. It could not be. This is yet future. There's a dual fulfillment, if you will, of this prophecy with the first and second comings of Jesus Christ into the world. And so we can see that when this world power arises against Israel, then God will destroy. The day of the Lord will come. And inasmuch as you saw that a stone was cut out of the mountain without hands and that it crushed the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will take place in the future. So the dream is true and its interpretation is trustworthy. And Nebuchadnezzar probably sat back in his chair and went, wow, somebody get me a cup of coffee and an extra cube of sugar, man. I got to think about these things for a while. But notice King Nebuchadnezzar. He fell on his face and did homage to Daniel and gave orders to present to him an offering and fragrant incense. And the king answered Daniel and said, and I'm, I'm sure reading between the lines, Daniel, something must have occurred. Daniel must have said, get up. I'm not a God. Don't worship me. The king answered Daniel and said, surely your God is Your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries since you have been able to reveal this mystery. And then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts. He made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon, chief prefect over all the who? The wise men of Babylon. And Daniel made request of the king and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel rose to the top, didn't forget his friends, over the administration of the province of Babylon. While Daniel was in in the king's court, Daniel became, notice, he became the chief prefect. He became the head guy, the wisest of the wise guys. And hundreds of years later, on a starry Bethlehem night, a king was born. And later, we know our uh, nativity sets are not exactly correct because we know later, Wise men from the east came and they said, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and we've come to worship him. How did they hear about the king of the Jews? I think there was a man named Daniel in Babylon who held weekly Bible studies. We know he had a scroll of the book of Jeremiah while he was there. And I'm sure at a local restaurant in Babylon. He said, boys, we're going to study the book of Jeremiah. And then, of course, as years went by, the story was passed down, I believe, or maybe even the scrolls. And wise men 
at the time of the Messiah's coming, his first coming, came looking for him. Maybe largely based upon this dream of kingdoms that would come from Babylon to the Medo-Persian Empire to Greece and to Rome. Because if you were a scholar paying attention and you began to count kingdoms and you read this prophecy with a near-far fulfillment, you would say, when we get down to those iron legs, guess what? That rock cut without hands apparently is going to show up. Maybe that's why they knew. Don't know for sure. Could have been other insights that God had given. But the Lord is the one who holds the future. Amen. What's the main message? God is sovereign over history. He is sovereign over your story. Human nation, nations, institutions don't last. What appears so strong in Daniel's day, our day, so intimidating, so frightening, so big, in the big picture is nothing. What do you anchor yourself to? To whom do you belong? Or what king and kingdom do you ultimately serve? That's what I pray you'll walk away with. Hey, listening family, it's Pastor Michael. I want to tell you another exciting thing about walkintruth.com. It's the store that's there. There's some great products up there on some intriguing subjects available in CD and DVD format. When you purchase one of those products, you actually support the radio ministry and help us reach out to more people like you. It's walkintruth.com. Click on the store, check it out, get a product, and you'll be partnering with us in the gospel ministry. We appreciate you. We love you. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.